0: Behold the voice of God. For those of you who don't know me officially, my name is Amanda Waller. And I am Aaron Moss, your host of Task Force X. What, we some kind
1: of... Suicide Squad.
0: Well, yeah, that and... Checkmate. Task Force X is a podcast that tells the stories of John Ostinger's Suicide Squad and Paul Kupferberg's Checkmate from the late 80s, early 90s. I want to build a team of some bad people who can do some good. And that's what Suicide Squad is. While Checkmate is a team of good people doing some good. My mission here is to chronicle each and every title and all the books that Suicide Squad and Checkmate appeared in during that era. We're the U.S. government. (laughs) You're going to start a blog and expose us? Well, a blog and a headcast, Amanda. Those scumbags are trying to screw me. Not at all, Amanda. Just trying to help everyone else discover the joy of the Suicide Squad and Checkmate. Anywho, hope you guys have as much fun with these comics as I did when I first read them. Oh, so many years ago. Mother That's enough of that, Amanda. Let's go and start the show. I didn't believe the stories. Nobody does. Remember, I'm watching. I see everything.
2: Hey there, Squad Meets. Brotherhead, aka Aaron Moss, here at you. Uh, here we are with episode fifty-seven of Task Force X. Once again, we're looking at two issues of Suicide Squad: issues forty-two and forty-three. So let's go ahead and cut out the rabble rabble dabble and let's get started. Uh, first up on the deck, as usual, is the first issue. <laughs> uh, issue 42 of Suicide Squad. From Mike's Amazing World of Comics, it tells us that this was cover dated June of 1940. The on-sale date was May 1st of 1990. The cover price was $1. And the title of this issue is called Firefight, written by the wonderful John Oshender and Kim Yell, penciled by Jeff Isherwood, inker Mark Badger, letterer Todd Klein, and the colorist was Carl Gafford. The editor was Dan Raspler. The cover was done by Jeff Isherwood, and this was reprinted in Suicide Squad, The Phoenix Gambit trade paperbacks, which came out in 2017. Thanks to Mike's Amazing World for that information. Now, as usual, on to the issue itself. And as I've been doing the last month or so, instead of giving a synopsis, I'm just going to go straight into the story. Well, after discussing the cover, I'm just going to go straight into the story and give my thoughts about it as I give a synopsis of, as I cover it. So uh, let me know which way you prefer, this way or oh the way I used to do it. So we start with the cover. we got our Suicide Squad logo, the Phoenix Gambit Part 3 of 4 logo on it. And the cover itself is Amanda Waller shaking hands with a Russian... Uh, He's handing her a briefcase full of money. Behind her, we have a couple Russian guards holding, I believe that would be Poison Ivy and Bronze Tiger at gunpoint. And Amanda's saying, congratulations, comrade. They're all yours. Meanwhile, at the back window, we have a shadowed figure of some pointy-eared guy at the cape. Don't know who he could be. Oh, yeah, it's Batman, the guy that's been in here the last two issues. Uh, Batman's watching on from the background as Amanda Waller turns her squad mates as it were over to the Russians um, it's a decent looking cover not the greatest Amanda looks a little off in fact like I might say about several people with this issue they look a little off from what they uh, normally do in my opinion it's not a bad cover my problem with it is spoilers it doesn't really tell what's happening in the actual issue so much. This makes it look like Amanda Waller's turning the squad over to the Russians and, and getting money to leave them behind. Uh, as we're going to find out here in just a few minutes, uh, over the next uh, well, 10, 15 minutes or whatever it takes me to cover this issue, that's not really what happened. So the cover is kind of misleading. Uh, that's one of my biggest issues with it. But let's get on and find out actually what does happen. So our story starts off in Vlatová. Probably mispronouncing that, but that's why I pronounce it right now. Uh, Vatlava, the home of Count Vertigo. And we've got a revolt going on. Uh, we've got them um, there. you the death to Kaligaga, Kaligari, I believe it's pronounced, uh, which is the guy that's in charge of everything right now. Uh, down at the Despot. Comrades, strike for freedom. Join our struggle for liberty. So we got in the middle of the page, down the line, we have uh, sandbags and saw horses. On one side, we have Soldiers with Guns. We have, on the other side, we have the Protesters. Uh, at the top, we have our, our logo, or not a logo per se, but the title. The Phoenix game Part 3, Firefight, as I mentioned earlier during the credits. Uh, a nice-looking page. Uh, not all the people are drawn nicely, I guess, but overall, it, it's a nice page. Some of the people could use a little, a little work. And again, I'm going to say that a lot, this issue. This was drawn by Jeff Isherwood but it had finishes by Mark Badger. I guess Mark did the inks on this. And next issue, which I'm gonna cover here in a little bit, issue 43, it looks like, according to Mike's Amazing World anyways, and the issue, it looks like Jeff did both the pencils and inks himself. So I'm thinking Mark Badger didn't do a great job of inking over Jeff Isherwood's pencils, because next issue, issue 43, it looks like Jeff uh, does it all by himself. And everything looks much better. Uh, characters are more on point. Where here, as I'm going to talk about here in a few minutes, some of the characters don't look quite on point. And I like, see even in the crowd here, some of the people, there's this one guy, third guy from the bottom on the right-hand side of the page. His eyes look off, and just the characters don't look quite finished. It's like almost something rushed through it, or... Uh, no offense to Mark Badger, I'm not sure what, what he did offhand, but... I just don't like his his inks over Isherwood's pencils because, as we're going to see, Isherwood doing both is great. Uh, Isherwood with Badger over it, eh, not so great. But anyway, so the first couple pages we have the, the uh, little dialogue from the freedom fighters, if you will, the protesters complaining about uh, the guy in charge which I'm not going to say his name very often because I'm going to keep messing it up. But <laughs> uh, the guy, uh, again, I'm going to say his name again just to sure it up, Caliaga, uh, Kalyargi, yeah. how do you pronounce it? He's up from his penthouse watching what's going on, and he's talking to Zastro, you know, wanting to know, you know, what he should do because Zastro's refused to give him the Red Shadows which is court forced him to make his own decisions. And Zastro's telling him that the, the Red Shadows were formed to deal with metahumans, not civilians. And this is one of my com- second complaints, I guess. The first complaint was the first page. Uh, this is the third page. I, I don't like the way they do Zastro here. In most other places he appears, in other issues here, over in Firestorm, Zastro looks like a any old man, but very dangerous still, very... Uh, I'm not quite sure the word I'm looking for. Lethal, I guess. Here he looks kind of like either a mustacheless, what was his name, Eggman or whatever from Batman, played by, uh, was it Vincent Price? Or maybe uh, Captain Underpants with a cigarette and glasses on. His head in this issue just doesn't look right. Next issue, it's corrected, and it looks better, in my opinion. But yeah, this issue, I'm not as impressed with the artwork. And I think, again, it comes down to Mark Badger doing the inks over uh, Jeff Isherwood's pencils. Because, like I said earlier, Jeff doing everything by himself looks magnificent, looks like it normally does. This things don't look to spec. Like I say, this, some of the people don't look right. Uh, Z- uh, Zastro just doesn't look... He doesn't look menacing here. He looks like uh, almost like uh, kind of reminds me of Christopher Lloyd's character from uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. <laughs> kind of comical looking, kind of not real. I, I don't can't quite put my finger on it, other than just they don't look right. But here on the bottom of page three, uh, the, the the main bad guy, Caligari tells the soldiers to open fire and kill all the protesters. And you think, well, there's a superhero book. The superheroes are going to show up at the last second and stop it. No, no. Page four, uh, we show the soldiers opening fire. Uh, Again, there's no blood anywhere because this is a... a, Oh, there's a little bit of blood on this one guy's shirt or gal's shirt. But yeah, there's not a lot of blood. But there is... I do like that they don't show red blood using these books because... Black blood looks more fake, I guess. They're allowed to get away with it. But here on the second panel, the first panel, they show them opening fire, just uh, close up of the guns. And the second panel, we see people getting mowed down. There's like four, five people on this page. We see bullets going into them. Uh, one guy has some smears of blood, it looks like, on his shirt or her shirt, but the background's red. So I do like that they have a red background denoting the blood that should be going on here, that they're not wanting to show us to keep it more, in quotes, kid-friendly or uh, code-approved or whatever. But, uh, yeah, it's a very nice artistic touch. Like I said, I complained about the pencils. watch the inks in this book, this issue. But I I do like uh, the choice. And again, that's not the inks, it's the colors. So I don't know if that was the color's choice or if that was... Uh, from Kim or John that told him to do the background in red. I'm not quite sure whose idea that was, but whoever's it was, magnificent. Beautiful. I love the way that works out. Again, because we get the, the blood without actually seeing the blood. So it's very nice and, and very uh, kid-friendly, I guess. I mean, again, this isn't a kid's book. This is about supervillains going out and doing... As I talk about my opening, bad things for a good reason. So it's not really aimed at kids, but it could be relatively, if you can get over people being shot and I don't know. Anyways, moving on from that panel, uh, there at the bottom of the page, we have uh, the bad guy telling Zastro that, you know, there, that's how you deal with dissonance. As we get a a flash to the right of him of some guy with a camera, being looks like he's being stabbed with a bayonet. And again, we don't get any blood in here, per se, but the background's a a dark pink or a light red, which again kind of denotes the blood that we're not actually seeing, which again, I I think is a nice touch. And this last panel is not a bad panel. Again, Zastro don't look right still. He doesn't look as old and as diabolical and as evil as he he normally does. But if you ignore Zastro, everything else on this panel looks great. (laughs) And then the next page, we cut to Paris, where we have uh, our squad gathering. We get Amanda here, Bronze Tigers in the corner, sulking. Poison Ivy's looking at uh, Mari's clothes. Uh, we get Boomer. Uh, he's saying, how you know, this is what I call civilization. No bloody palm trees, no bloody sand. What hides bendy thorns to step on? No more breathing tropical birds. Bombing you day and night. Back to wine, women, and crime. May beauty? And at this point, Batman comes walking in with Ravon uh, over his shoulder and and throws him on the floor. And Waller's like, my, my, I bet you brightened the day for the boys at Customs of this. He's like, he didn't come through early. I used the J-Transporter instead. Membership has its privileges. And I like that line. It's an old comment from a, uh, I think it was a credit card commercial, MasterCard or one of those were young, or... That was their tagline. Membership has its privileges. So I I do kind of like Batman using that line, even though it's a little more humorous. And at this point in his life, Batman wasn't quite the humorous character at this point. Uh, I know he had his moments, but this was after the death of Jason Todd, the second Robin. So uh, Batman was a little more grim and gritty here. So I I don't know if the, the I like the joke, but I don't know quite if it works with this Batman. But as I said last month, and every time I see this version of Batman, I like this Batman. This is the Batman I grew up on. The gray clothing, the blue slash black cloak, and, pants and shorts, and boots, and gloves. It's just this, this to me is Batman. This is when I think of Batman. Yes, I know in the, oh, I say the last couple of years, but the last several decades, uh, mid-90s, they started switching him over to the all-black batman and yeah that works for him hiding in shadows and what have you but i do like this batman that while it's not a lot of color he has a little more color and as batman throws uh, raven down raven jumps up and tries to leap behind batman he's like by the blood of Cal, you go too far my temple destroyed my followers scattered scattered my work interrupted but right what right uh, by what right do you lay hands on me? He's trying to choke Batman. Batman just socks him on the side and flips him back around to the ground. <laughs> and Amanda walks up and she answers the question, like, the need. That and a piece of information, you'll be mighty interested, Ravon, Cobra's alive. So Cobra was part of the, the Janus directive uh, I covered here on the show back in the day. And apparently Ray uh, Cobra was supposedly killed over in Captain Adam 40, uh, again, for more on Captain Adam, check out Friends of the Show, uh, Jay Jones and his uh, Silver and Gold podcast, where he covers that version of Captain Adam. A uh, great show and a great book. But apparently Cobra, in quotes, died over there fighting Captain Adam. But now we find out that he actually faked his death, which is interesting. I And I do like he says that... Uh, After she says Cobra's alive, Rayvon's like, you lie. He perished in battle with a man called Captain Adam. And Amanda says she had the government run an autopsy, and apparently Cobra faked his death. So, and again, before I go further with this story, Amanda in here on some of these pages, like the previous page, page five, Amanda Waller again is not quite drawn drawn to specs. In fact, most of this book, uh, Amanda's not really drawn to specs. She's... Not, you can tell she's Amanda, but she looks a little off. A little, I don't want to say kidified, but I I don't know. It's hard for me to pinpoint because I'm not an artist. But if one of my co-hosts for my G.I. Joe show, uh, Jared Albrick, the yard cell drawer guy, was here. I'm sure he could pinpoint what I'm trying to say. But the characters don't, it's got that grim and gritty that Suicide Squad has, but the characters don't look quite right I really wish I had the words to describe it but yeah it's just it's not the inks on this is just a little off which kind of throws off the whole setting aesthetic, aesthetics of the book so but enough complaining about that uh, we'll go back to the uh, story itself here on page 6 Batman talks with Vixen again Vixen looks off uh, she looks like she was drawn from another book and placed in here almost we get a little more on Cobra and Ravon. Uh, Cobra considers itself the avatar of chaos, which means they're trying to usher in the Kali Yaga, the destruction of the age of chaos, the destruction of mankind, while the thuggies, I think I pronouncing that right. The, the group that Ravon belongs to, uh, they worship in fear Kali and they strive by ritual murder to just delay her cunning. So, like Batman says, they're like a cobra and a Natural, implacable enemies. So I do like the way that they're giving a little background here. If you're not familiar with Cobra and Ravon's hostilities, why they're so hostile to each other, especially when, if you, if you read both of them, they both talk about chaos. But one's trying to bring chaos into the world, and the other's trying to delay it, so... I do like that Cobra keeps coming up in here as Ravon is a member of the Suicide Squad on and off. But, and so, yeah, Ravon's like, it was not Captain Adam's Dharma to slay Cobra. That is my destiny, which I shall fulfill now. And Waller's like, you know, no one knows who Cobra's at, but you, you know, hang with us and we'll find him for you. And so Kelly, or uh, Rayvon's bending over to her. He's like, I'd be most happy to working with your organization. It gives me excellent opportunities to worship Kali, which means working with the Suicide Squad, he gets to kill people, which is all he's all about. So and I do like this here on page, for the most part, page seven, we get uh, Ravon bending over. Or not bending over, bending in front of uh, Waller. We still got Ben sulking in the background. We got boomerangs sitting there twirling one of his boomerangs on his finger like he does. And this page isn't too bad overall, actually. I don't really have any. I'm just looking at it. Yeah, I don't have any really complaints of getting Waller here on the top of it. it. Looks a little off, but not too bad overall. And then I do like we get Batman and Waller here having a little conversation. Batman's like, you have your team. Try to start the next phase of the plan and complete our assignments. And Batman tells her, remember, that he wants Stalvinok to uh, be delivered stateside for the murder of Vladak. And Waller's like, humanly possible, We'll do it. And, of course, Batman being the master planner is like, how do you plan on getting to Gort? And Waller's like, that's somebody goes to Ben. And, again, Ben's been very quiet. He's just standing in the corner kind of sulking, kind of being a moody teenager, if you will. And I know I have one of those again. So, <laughs> Batman's like, crazy. Stavonok can crush stone in his hands. Tef- teflon-colored bullets didn't penetrate his skin. He's jumped almost a quarter of a mile from a standing start. He's kind of like the golden age Superman at this point. And uh, Batman's, you know, he means Turner's good, but he's not in the same league. And Waller's just like, Ben, you think you can hurt a man who can't be hurt? And Ben's just like, I can hurt him. There's your answer. <laughs> and Batman, again, he's worked with and against Bronze Tiger, a.k.a. Ben Turner in the past, so he knows Ben to an extent. And he knows there's something wrong with Ben. He doesn't know quite what's going on, but... Uh, As he says here, and I I like this little line here. He's like, I don't know what happened to Turner, but that's not a healthy man there. And Waller's like, do I hear the cop pawing the kettle something? (laughs) Because, again, as we all know, Batman's, uh, well, he's not a healthy man either, really. Because, I mean, you know, he dresses up as a bat, fights crime at night. And while that can be admirable, uh, most people don't think that Batman is, well, a healthy man. (laughs) And then Boomerang pops up like he normally does. He's like, so who's running this coach? Who's robbing this coach, eh? Which one's team leader this time? Wall, tiger or fruit bat? (laughs) That fruit bat. And he's twirling one of his boomerangs. Waller's like, I am. I'm going to be with you every step of the way this time. Won't need any bracelet. You mock book up now, and you got me on top of you, making your life miserable. And you know I can. He's like, you have a special part to play down under one I'm sure you will enjoy. And as she gives him his, his uh, frisbee, his boomerang back, he's like, I'm starting to think I should have stuck to the bleeding island. <laughs> and again, like I complained, here on bottom of page eight, close-up of Amanda's face. Normally a close-up of Amanda's face is kind of scary. Because again, Amanda Waller is not a woman to trifle with. I don't... I, I, I don't... I don't get that from this panel. This isn't the normal... Than quote, scary Amanda we normally get. So I, I don't know. I can't quite put my finger on it. But just something about this issue is just, uh, the inks are off. Which kind of, it, it kind of breaks the flow a little bit for me. I mean, it's not horrible, but it, it's just enough to make me say, eh. It's not as strong as the other issues have been, mainly because of the art. Uh, but as we're getting ready to leave, Waller looks over at uh, Poison Ivy and tells her, you know, uh, Ivy, the guillotine shoplifters in Paris, pet the dresses back. Move your butt down under. We got plenty to catch. <laughs> I, I do like that she called Ivy out on trying to steal the dresses and let her you know, hey, you know they use the guillotine on shoplifters, so you may want to put that back. And then also it seems like Boomer Butt's got a new nickname. Uh, she, she's calling them down under. <laughs> uh, so I do like that. And then they're loading in this weird truck. I can't quite tell. Uh, they're in a cab, but then we can see inside the back of the truck from the front. I, I don't quite know how this truck was supposed to work. Exactly, I guess it's got an open bed with a covering on it. And again, we get Batman threatening Waller, telling him, you know, you got a lovely group, you're making the same mistakes over again, you need to watch or I'm going to shut you down. And uh, Waller's like, you can take that with Hoover's left. And Batman's just like, I intend to. Yeah, I, mean, I, I do love Batman. I do love the Batman in this era, as I've talked about. But enough about Batman. This is about Suicide Squad. Uh, so we cut to the they're in a plane in an airport, uh, going to do their mission. They're kind of discussing it as they're going along. And as they land, they show their their IDs, and some guards take their passports and say, "You're coming with us." And so we get the the leader of the bad guys again. I forget his name. Kali Galga or whatever his name is, talking with Zastro again, they're still having their arguments. Uh, the main bad guy uh, is still complaining that he wants superhumans to help find Count Vertigo and help stop the revolts. And Zastro again is just telling, you know, the cast is moving on a daily basis, and we can't send any of our meta-humans against count vertically if we do know exactly where the camp's at because he takes our guys out he, he they're worthless against him he can stop them all and as they're talking uh he's like well you know what I've got my own plans in motion since you want me loan me your super soldiers I got my own and this we get the squad coming in here on page seven I'm sorry page 11. While I've been complaining about the inks on this issue and how they don't quite seem right, I do like this panel here where the squads coming into the door and we got kind of a close up of all the team as they're walking in. And so the next uh, pages here we find out that Amanda contacted uh, this guy and uh, Caligari Caligari and offered her services to him said that it's a million dollars in West German currency. That's the usual fee. And she told them they to get a discount because they're trying to get established. She explains that, you know, basically what's happened over the last couple of issues, they, they broke, in quotes, from the United States. They're not a part of the government. And they're not a government-sponsored team anymore. They're on their own. Kind of, kind of way outlined in issue 40. And she's like, and again, here on page 12, I see what they're going for. But again, the, the inks on this picture close of Amanda just doesn't work for me. Uh, but then Callie Gaga, Callie, Callie Diaper Boy, whatever, uh, he says, well, actually, I'm we going to get a large discount. You see, I have your passports. Until you guys do what I want you to do, you're not getting them back. And without your passports, you're not leaving Valavia. And when I first read this, and when I just read this again, I'm like, you're threatening a team of superhumans that's, that's going to take out another superhuman. You think you and your men who can't stop Vertigo is he going to stop a team of, of metahumans? You're an idiot. And the rest of the team's kind of flipping out, like, yeah, you're gonna let, Ben's like, you're just going to take this stuff from him? And she's like, you got a better idea, Turner. Best we can do right now is play this by ear. So chew your temper down to absolute zero. So he tells them that they're going to be stationed or living next to the Red Shadows while they're here. And the guards take him into their room. And as they take him in, they're still kind of arguing with her. Boomerang's like, well, this is a fine start, you fat tub of sweat. And I had to look that up because I wasn't quite sure what that word was. And apparently sweat is a hard, the raw hard fat of beef, lamb, or mutton found around the loins and kidneys. Uh, so again, that's one of the good things about comics. makes you look up words and find out what they mean. <laughs> so they're complaining, what have you got us into to this time? But as they're, they're talking, complaining, they're all searching the room, looking at lamps, phones, drawers, everything. And then we find out that Amanda's got a tape recorder that she's playing another conversation on, apparently. And this was part of their plan. And again, as she says here, actually, I guess it's Vixen saying, does Caligari really believe we need passports to get out of the country? Between us, I can see half a dozen ways in and out. (laughs) Which is what I was thinking earlier when he said, I'm keeping your passports. You don't get out of the country without them. Dude, who do you know who you're talking to? They can get on their own if they want to. And if you piss them off... They can wipe you out with, a, you know, the drop of a hat. So as they're talking, Amanda's, uh says, you know, pretend to be in their hands. So let's see what they're doing. And she's like, by the way, fat tub of sweat. How you pronounce it? And he's like, yeah, had to make it sound fair dinkum, right? <laughs> I love Captain Boomerang. I, I, I was going to complain about the Suicide Squad movie again, but I won't. Uh, but I do love this version of Captain Boomerang. So again, so they start off on their plan. Uh we get find out that Count Vertigo is being held captive basically. I'm assuming it's by the Vlatavia army, but they've also got a uh an American Patreon who's backing them and who's who's behind a lot of this. And they're keeping them drugged up. To keep him more pliable, which again, Count Vertigo, he has uh, mental issues. He's a manic depressive, if I'm not mistaken. So the drugs are not helping the matter any. Uh, they're keep they, they do keep him a little more in control, yes, but uh, they're going to mess up his mind. But these guys don't care. Their American benefactor doesn't care what happens to Vertigo, as long as his plans go through. Uh, Vertigo is basically expendable. Meanwhile, on page 17, uh, we see Batman lurking along the rooftops. And one of these guys, uh, his name is, uh, I forget his name. What is it? Uh, Bolshew? Bolshe? He's kind of upset that he's been, him and his group's being left behind. And as he sees Batman, he's like, what? Batman? What's the American doing here? I must tell Zastro. No, I will capture him myself and prove my worth. Prove Boloshi belongs with the red shadows. So as he takes off after Batman, Vixen's watching. And I love here on page 18, as she leaps over to Boloshi's room, we see she's using the, the agility of an antelope or whatever. She leaps over to his window and comes in while... I, I guess it's not his room. She leaps into the building... And she goes into Zasto's room where he's looking over a map, or at least uh, his, his uh, headquarters, I guess, where he's looking over a map as he gets a phone call that says that oh, yeah. one of the Batman saw Batman and Bolishi. And so he tells me he'll get whole Blue Trinity, then he, yeah, he'll find him immediately. And they'll find Zastok, he's out probably in the third quadrant. And again, I'm going to complain about it again because he's on this page. Astro just doesn't look right. He doesn't look like the menacing uh, Russian guy we've been dealing with previously and over in the Firestorm book. It just... I don't like the way he's drawn here. It really throws me off. But Vexen goes into the room and she finds the coordinates for, they believe, uh, Count Vertigo's at. And then we cut to... Batman being attacked by bullishi and someone shooting at him, which I believe is Zastro and Red Trinity coming up. And here on page 20, I first, you might think that this is an oddly drawn Batman of him throwing the boomerang, which would be in par with the rest of the book being odd off a little bit because he throws the boomerang and the way he throws it, he's trying to throw it to another roof to make it escape. It's an odd pose for Batman, but as we'll find out later, it's not so odd and it's not really badly drawn here, but we'll get to that in just a few minutes. Uh, so Batman, he gets captured by Red Trinity and here on page 21, uh, they've got Batman, The one of the guys grabs by a cape and wraps around him and spins him, and again, Batman's got kind of a bewildered look on his face, and again, Batman's face doesn't look quite right here. Even though he's getting spun around, his face looks a little off, which you might think maybe the inker again. But actually it's explained here in a, a little bit. Actually, I think it's next issue. Yeah, next issue is explained why some of these things look a little off. Uh, but the last panel on this page, we're back on the rooftop with Zastro. Again, not look, anyways. Holding one Batman's batter and we hear a <laughs> as it's clean up, bring him to my office. Odd. I somehow thought Batman would be have a stronger stomach. Which again you know, is kind of another clue something else is going on. But we'll get more to that next issue, which will be here in just a little bit. Uh, and then we get Amanda Waller. She's in her room, pacing, waiting on the team to uh, come back and report they're done. She hears a knock on the door, and she grabs a lamp. She's like, "Whoever it is, go the hell away. We don't start until we don't start until daylight." And all of a sudden, the door is blasted apart. And she's knocked down, and we get Deadshot. And she's like, Hello, say hello, Mrs. Waller. Say goodbye, Mrs. Waller. As he's standing over, ready to put a bolt into her head. And this says, Next, end game. And while I've been complaining about the artwork in this book, again, mainly the inks over uh, its pencils, I do like this last panel here of, of Deadshot standing over Amanda Waller. The door's blasted in behind him, and he's standing over her. With his wrist guns pointed at her, ready to just uh, kill her. Again, I enjoyed the issue on the writing, as I've complained about the the art is a little off just because of uh, the, writer, the writer. The inker and the penciler just don't line up, and they're not a good combination. I don't want to say the inker is a bad inker; it's just this isn't a good combination in my opinion. But we'll see. Anyways, uh, so we're going to go and end this part of the story. We're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back with the final issue of
0: The Phoenix Gambit. We'll be back with much more fun. Now, don't you change that channel, son. Booster? Hey, bro. Gah! Bats! Booster! Together! Wow. Well, this is great. This is just awesome. You never said you and Booster were friends. It never came up. A consummate professional like you, friends with a dilettante like Booster? You're both my friends, okay? You're more of a work friend, and Booster is more of a fun friend. What's more fun than fighting crime? Ooh, he's got you there. Hi, this is FKA Jason's son again. I just wanted to take another minute of your time to tell you about his podcast, Silver and Gold. He and his buddy Roy Charlemagne Clary celebrate the DC Comics characters Booster Gold and Captain Adam, issue by issue, and blah, 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 blah. Listen, the real reason you want to listen to the Silver and Gold is their Throwback Thursday episodes, because I'm the star of those shows. Dad and I review the Silver Age Captain Adam stories published by Charlton Comics in the 1960s you can find the silver and gold podcast on itunes and stitcher you can also follow dad splitting adams blog at captainadamblog.com we all know the real reason you'll be tuning in is to hear me criticize uh i mean celebrate the silver age captain adam in our throwback thursday episodes i can't believe dad roped me into this (laughs) and go, silver and gold everyone searching for silver and gold If you're alone, when you grow old, you'll
2: never find comfort in silver and gold Hey
1: everyone, Michael Bailey here with a trailer for an exciting series of episodes of Views from the Long Box. To help me with this trailer I have brought along none other than Darth Vader. What is thy bidding, my master? I, uh, I had to pay extra for that one. Now, normally on Views, I talk about comics, either alone or with a friend. However, with The Force Awakens hitting theaters soon, I have been all excited for Star Wars. And with the sudden massive amount of free time I have found myself with, I decided to devote all of the December episodes of Views to Star Wars in a series I am calling Views Views from from a Galaxy Far, Far Away. Don't be too proud of this technological terror you've constructed. Well, that was, was kind of rude. I mean, I, I would think a Dark Lord of the Sith would be happy that I'm devoting a month of shows to Star Wars. Don't make me destroy you. Look, Vader, we had a deal. I was going to tell everybody about how I'm going to talk about my favorite Star Wars movies, my favorite characters and comics and toys, in addition to talking about The Force Awakens. You were supposed to back me up on this. I am altering the deal. Pray I don't alter it any further. Well, fine then. Can I at least talk about how I'm bringing some of the best and brightest in podcasting along with me on this endeavor? And that the show is going to be weekly through the month of December? The Emperor does not share your optimistic appraisal of the situation. The Emperor will be listening? Yeah, and I will have to double my efforts apology accepted i didn't you know what never mind what everybody needs to know is that views from from a galaxy Galaxy. far far away starts december 1st here at views from long box you can find the show on itunes or by going to www.viewsfromthelongbox.com
2: we would be honored if you would join us
1: finally stuck to the script I find your lack of faith disturbing. Views from a galaxy, from a galaxy far, 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 far away. away. Starting December 1st. Only at Views from the Long box.
2: From the Fire and Water Podcast Network It's MASHCAST Hosted by MASH mega fan Rob Kelly And a rotating cast of VIPs MASHCAST analyzes episode by episode The greatest television series of all time
0: MASH Find MASHCAST on fireandwaterpodcast.com Jocularity, jocularity We are green from head to toe Now we go back to the show
2: Welcome back from the break. I hope you enjoyed those commercials. As usual, uh, take a listen to them. Again, I'm, I'm doing the commercials later on and post-production, so I'm not sure what I'm heading in there. I'll probably pet Jay's Silver and Gold podcast in there since we've talked about Captain Adam this issue, or this episode. But check out those podcasts. If I'm playing them, I'm sure they're great. Uh, moving on to the final issue of The Phoenix Gambit. Uh, this was Suicide Squad number 43. Cover date was July of 1990. The on-sale date was June 5th of 1990. The cover price was $1. The title of this story was called Black Queen's Mates. Writer, as usual, was John Oshinger and Kim Yell. The artist was just Jeff Isherwood this time. By himself, letter, Todd Klein. Colorist, Carl Gafford. The cover was done by Jeff Isherwood. And the editor was Dan Raspler. And again, same as last time, this was reprinted in Suicide Squad, The Phoenix Gambit, trade paperback, which came out in 2017. So again, let's go ahead and start this issue. This issue, we have a black background. Top, we have Suicide Squad, The Phoenix Gambit, Part 4 of 4. Again, I do love this Phoenix Gambit uh, typeset logo. It looks really nice. Uh, we got our classic Suicide Squad logo at the top. And the main picture, since we have a back, back a black background, we have Gort, or uh, Strova, whatever his name is, fighting with Vixen. Again, a very nice cover. Uh, Gort is towering over Vixen because he's a much bigger guy. And Vixen is a, a smaller woman. But she's holding her own for fighting against this powerhouse. And while this scene, kind of in the book, she does fight with him, but not by herself. And she doesn't really... He doesn't get behind her and attacks her like this. Again, this is kind of like an artistic interpretation, I guess. Which sometimes isn't bad. Like I didn't like it the last issue so much because that was really misleading. This one's not... It's a little bit, but not as bad. So... Let's go into the story. Again, we start out where we ended last issue. We get an all-white background, a different pose. We get Deadshot standing over Waller saying, hello. Say hello, Mrs. Waller. Say goodbye, Mrs. Waller. As she's laying on the ground looking up at him. Already, first page, I'm going to start singing Jeff Ishwood's praises. I only want him doing the art by himself. I, I don't want the, the other guy, I forget his name now. It blew it out of my mind because I... Didn't like it so much. But this is definitely classic Waller, classic Deadshot. This is just a magnificent page. I, I love this splash page. Amanda's on her butt with Deadshot standing above her. And again, we're talking about Amanda Waller. So at end of the issue, she's down on the ground, ready to be taken out. But the first panel on the second page, she's like, Hello, Floyd. What brings you to scenic He's like, I'm here to kill you. No, you're not. Oh, that may be why you were sent here, but if you're really serious about it, you've done it already. You have dropped me from across the street. So much I pay you to do me? A hundred (laughs) thou. That's all? Hell, I'm insulted. You should be insulted, too. You're worth more than that. I'll tell you what, I'll match their offer. Plus a dollar. To work for me again. So I do love this Amanda Waller. She's outgunned she's got you know an assassin that could kill her off in the blink of an eye if he just wants to because that's what he does and who he is but instead of panicking instead of fearing she's like i don't know you're you are not going to do it you would have done it if you were gonna do it but since you haven't you're not uh let me hire you and this, I'm going to keep saying this. This is what last issue was missing. Again, there's a close up of Amanda Waller's face here on the bottom of page two, as she says, plus a dollar to work for me again. Again, this is the conniving, skeeving Amanda Waller that we love. I, this close up of her face is magnificent, much better than what was done last issue. Again, I, I don't want to harp, I don't want to be the dead horse. I don't want to, but. Uh, I, I just love Jeff Fisherwood's artwork on this. Especially when he's doing his own work and someone isn't working over it or penciling, uh, I'm sorry, inking over it because this is magnificent. This is the Amanda Waller we love. Everyone looks much more on model here. Uh, so top page three, we start out with Floyd got his gun, his dress gun pointed at Amanda and then next panel he lists it straight up. Okay. What do you mean to do? And she's like, depends. Who hired you to... Who hired, who hired you to do me? He's like, William Heller, which was from like issue three or four of the Suicide run we're talking about. Uh, William Heller, uh, William Hell, I believe he's called. And again, that's what William Hell. She's like, I haven't heard from him since his William Hellstick. He's buying all this? Like, oh, yeah. Okay, how about doing this? How about going back and doing him instead of me? And Dead, uh, Deadshot's like, no difference to me. Never really liked Bill even growing up. He's been haphazardly trying to get me killed. So she's like, okay, so you go back and shoot Heller. Meet me in Paris, do Mary McCarbe's studio, and all your money for you. Maybe some more work. And as Deadshot leaves, Amanda's petting her chair back upright and her, her lamp that got knocked over. And she sits down. The I'm not sure if it's a chair or her creaking. It was like creak, and she's like, "I've got to start dealing with a healthier bunch of people." And I love this image here on the bottom of page three. We get Amanda Waller sitting in the chair, and you can see just how bone weary tired she is of dealing with all this BS. I mean, that's that's her lot in life. That's what she's doing. But I do like that this shows Amanda's humanity. I guess. A uh, very nice work, uh, fabulous! I, I love it. And then we cut back to Camp Vertigo's camp, where he's uh, again Count Vertigo. He tends to be a bit melodramatic. He he goes in these long monologues, and as he's going on, he's talking about you know the ancient blood and lineage of his ancestors will be vindicated. The gutters will run with the blood of his foes. Blah blah blah. An avenging angel. And one of the guys, the soldier's like, now he has the religious delusions of grandeur, an avenging angel, how rich. The men will find inspiration knowing they're being led by a man touched by God. And again, we find out that the, the drugs they're giving him is uh, feeding into his, not necessarily ego, but his mania, his, his uh, mental delusions. And again, they reiterate to hear that the Patreon, the patron's goals or within his grasp, he doesn't care if the counts a drooling imbecile, uh, as long as the job gets done. And we find out that Batman's been captured by the Red Shadows. And as these two guys leave, again, Virgo still going on and on and ranting and raving. As Poison Ivy comes up, she has a crown of roses or whatever wreath for his head. She's trying to give him. Ivy's in an all-red outfit, which is kind of different for her. She wears green, uh, the red. I don't know, it looks all right. It, it's different for her. It's first look, I wouldn't recognize this as Ivy. I mean, she's got the body still, and she's got the red hair, but again, usually Ivy's in green. So it's a little different, but it's interesting. And as she plants the crown on his head... And as she kisses him, he recognize he starts to recognize her. He's like, wait, I know you. And she's like, yes, I've been told to have that kind of face. And he's like, oh, "Ivy have you here. The council under my control. She was like, it was easy. Even Light could have got in here. <laughs> Referring to Dr. Light, who died on the Apocalypse Now mission uh, here a couple issues ago. So, uh, again, I do like that they're bringing up Dr. Light, who's dead, but he's still the butt of a joke. So... You gotta love that. But as you know, she's sitting there talking to uh, I don't know if it's Waller who she's talking to on the mic. She sees in the mirror the two Russian guys or Russian guys, the Latavia guys. Who are these guys? Are come walking in the tent, and she turns around, throws something, him, knocking them out, saying, "You shouldn't sneak up on a girl like that. You don't know how she's gonna react." And she talks about how she just gave up running the country. Meanwhile, we have Count Warner Vertigo here and his army at her beck and call. And I like that. She's like, hell with Waller. I'm taking Vladavia for myself. So, yeah, I, I do like that she's like, you know what? I gave up the start of this whole thing. I was going to ruin a country. I think I'm going to take this country. <laughs> and then we cut over to the Red Shadows headquarters in Valtavia. Valtavia? Valtavia? Where was that? And... We've got Zaster with the Red sh- red Shadows, with the uh, Red Trinity standing. Now, I like this here on bottom page six. We got Batman strapped to the chair, his cape's outbound around him, and we've got Zaster, so they're smoking a cigarette as his trench coat's kind of blowing up a little bit. And then we got the rest of Red Trinity in shadows. Uh, it's a very nice layout, very dynamic. I-, I love the way it looks. But then basically we cut to, they've got his utility belt, and they're going to unmask him. And uh, Sasha's like, I will not play games with you. These, There shall be no pretense. We will look each other in the eye and I'll see your fear plainly. Remove the cowl. And all the guys are rushing forward to pull his cowl off. And when they pull it off, we see Captain Boomerang. He's all, good day, mate. And then we cut away back to Washington, D.C. So I love the where, you know, you think, you think they've got Batman tied up. And at their mercy, they got a utility belt. And as they're unmasking And also we see Captain Boomerang there. And then we cut away. So we'll see the response to Washington, D.C., where we have General Stoneman. And he's got some guys come out and put their guns to the back of his head. And they're like, inside. He's like, look, this isn't his- inside. And all of a sudden, Batman, the real Batman, comes swinging into the picture. Don't move, General. As he takes out these guards on this next page, it's just fantastic. It's Batman twirling around. Uh, his costume is a little darker than what I I've talked about before that I like. I still like this. It's still got the gray costume or tunic with the yellow bat symbol and his dark cloak. And again, it's nice. So I guess it should be darker here. We got these guys shooting at him, missing Batman all over the place as he takes them out. <laughs> and. Batman standing there in front of this guy's doorstep with, you know, non conscious assassins around him. And the general's like, But Batman, thanks heaven you're here. I thought I wasn't Valadia. Valladia. That's what the report said, didn't it? Here, let me do that. And he shows him that there was a, a crosscut into the bullet that's filled with cyanide, which is a KGB trick. And he's like, But these aren't KGB agents, are they, Stoneman? And Stoneman's trying again trying to deny it as Crooked people do, and Batman lays into him and says that there's a leak in Steele's office and that he is it, and that's why they they told uh, Steele's office that Batman was going to Vladia with the rest of the Suicide Squad, just throw me off the track, and apparently uh, General Stoman here is the one that was working with the Russians. It was uh, given the information. And, again, as Batman calls him out on it, he's denying He's like, well, yes, they they said that uh, they were... Let me see. Varsa and Vladea reuses pawns to force a confrontation between the United States and the Soviet Union. And Batman basically calls him out and says, well, you're the one that fed him to a steel wolf, which is Gort, I believe it was, Stavonok. And, again, he keeps denying it, but Batman's like, I'll hand you over to Steele for safekeeping, Stoneman. He'll decide how he wants to prosecute you. I want the name of the person behind all this, and you will tell me. Because, again, it's Batman. You're not going to deny Batman when he wants something. It gets a great scene here on page 10 with Batman. Again, I like this Batman that's not all in black. I know recent movies, I say recent, the last, I don't know how many movies, in the last couple of decades... uh, They've got Batman all in black, and yes, I guess in theory it's better for working at night and in the shadows, but I I don't know. I just like this gray and and either black or blue Batman that we got back in the 80s and early 90s. I know in the Batman comic in the early-ish mid-90s, they switched him over to the black costume uh, based on the movies, basically, but I, I prefer this earlier costume myself. Yeah, I just love this here on page uh, 10, the last panel, a close up of Batman holding Stoneman. Stoneman's got just sweating like crazy because, again, he's got you know this mass vigilante holding him, telling him, you know, you're going to tell me want to know where else. And we cut back to Vladia. Vladia? I'm going to pronounce it different each time, I think. Where we have uh, Gort, the uh, Iron Wolf, whatever his name is, reporting in. And. Uh, We have uh, Zastro or somebody, I guess, not Zastro. Someone's saying the Blue Trinity has captured Batman and Zastro wants to come back to headquarters at once. And all of a sudden, this is when Bronze Tiger leaps out and attacks him. And uh, again, the next couple of pages here, it's a very nice fight between Bronze Tiger and uh, Gort. I'm going to keep calling that because it's hard to pronounce his real name. That's whatever it is, anyways. <laughs> but yeah, he, Gort reaches down, he grabs grabs the hand of the, the concrete and pulls it out of the ground and f- throws it at Ben's face, blinding him temporarily. But Ben's able to leap over him again. This very dynamic fights here. Bottom page twelve. Uh, there's a scene where Ben's leaping off the wall and just hitting Gort, and uh, as he Ben does a a kick to his head, Gort grabs his feet. He's like. You start to annoy me a little, Nat. Time to swat you. And here on top of page thirteen, Vixen comes running up to save the day. She she and we see she gets the power of a rhinoceros as she just rams into him, uh, causing him to drop Ben. And then she uses the power of an elephant to sock him again and knock him down, as Ben's kicking him from the front. And I just as I said, I love the way we see uh, Vixen using her powers. Uh, She's very much like Animal Man. Uh, She absorbs animals' powers and she can use them. And I love the way they superimpose the animal that they're using the power of over them. It's a very neat and dramatic effect. In fact, as I said before, I'm a little sad and a little uh, disheartened that they didn't use her in one of the Suicide Squad movies because, again, she's a great character. And, again, I would love to see her visually done in a movie. Because I think that would be awesome With you know, if they superimpose the animal as she's using the power, I think that would be great. And <laughs> as Stavanoff, whatever, falls to the ground, unconscious Ben's like, I didn't need you. And <laughs> Vixen's like, you know what, I don't need this. What we're still did to you is nothing compared to compare what you're doing to yourself. I don't want you to twist me like it has you. Goodbye, Ben. As Mari turns and just leaves Ben standing like, what the, uh-oh. <laughs> Again, I love the dynamic between Ben and Vixen. Uh, a couple of great characters, and uh, Ben through an emotional ringer with everything that Steele's done to him and his own previous uh, past life with I think it was Assassination's Guild. So again, it just uh, I love the way this plays out and the way that John and Kim wrote the character. And again, like I said, that's one thing that that makes Suicide Squad a great book and why I, I think it was a especially the second was a good movie. It could have been a whole lot better, both of them, if they would have followed more of what John laid out, in my opinion. Because, again, John took these, as i said before, and I'll say it again, he's taking these second and third-rate characters that no one really cares about, and he gives them heart. He makes you care about them. So I I just love the writing on this book. And the artwork, like I said, while I prefer the more four-color superhero work, on Suicide Squad, I, I love this darker aspect. And again, as I've I been saying, the artwork on here is fantastic. But I'm not going to complain about the, the previous inker anymore. I've done enough of that last episode, I think. But yeah, this is just why it's just a great book. And then we cut back over to Batman, a.k.a. Captain Boomerang and Zastro and the, the Blue Trinity. I was calling them Red Trinity, but they're actually called the Blue Trinity at this point. Uh, Zastro's walking from like you are one of these Waller you are one of these with the Waller woman they call you Captain Boomerang you are not Batman And Boomerang's like sure I am play both uh, part time play both sides of the street I do not believe that I'm a son Batman Junior Bat Boy <laughs> Zastroz like you're a decoy of some kind too right mate strength find out. I had to lurk on that roof forever before you or one of your mates noticed me, or your mo noticed me. And Zastro demands to know what Waller's playing He's like, I don't know. I'm just one of the peons. Do you tell your people everything? And again, I just love to hear on bottom of page 14 we get the Blue Trinity in shadows as they're watching a boomerang get interrogated. And then Zastro's like, Blue Trinity, bring Waller's woman to me. And again, they're flashes characters, basically. So they run off. Whoosh! She's gone. We looked her in the corners. Comrade Zastro. the door was shot away. Because as we saw, the end of last issue, uh, Deadshot showed up and, well, took care of the door. And so Zastro sends the blue Trinity away along with, what's the embolishi, whatever, the guy that caught, in quotes, Batman. He's like, do not come back till you find her. And as soon as they leave, he's like, "Now, American, we'll have serious talk. And boomerang gets all offended. He's like, who are you calling a yank, you bloody dingo? Because, again, as we know, he's Australian, not American. But it also, Amanda Waller shows up, large as life. If you want to have a serious top comrade, you better have it with me. Boomerang's good for annoying people. And that's about it. <laughs> so, again, very accurate assessment of Amanda Waller, and Captain Boomerang. And again, I love here, bottom page uh, 15, the look on Zastro's face as his mouth opens, the cigarette's falling out. As Amanda Waller just appears behind him, it's like she's been taking lessons from Batman or something. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so, as Waller confronts Zastro, we have what's his name, uh, Calgary, Calgary, the guy who's in charge, listening in. He tells the guy that's the, the radio operator, I guess, to leave the room because he wants to hear this by himself. And we cut back over to the conversation between Waller and Zastro. Top of page, what is this, page 16 We cut back over from uh, Whatever his name is, I forget it Calgary, listening in We have a a close-up of Boomerang's head with a gun next to it And Zacher's like, explain what you're playing at Or I will kill your associate here and now Boomerang's like, bloody hell, don't give her a straight line like that, mate because again, as we all know, why like, Waller, she's not gonna kill Boomerang on her own. But you know what? If he dies, he's expendable. So uh, I just love the way he's like, hey, "Don't, yeah, don't, don't give her these lights set up like that. She'll let you do it." <laughs> and she's like, "Let's our cards on the table. Right from the start, one person was controlling the situation here in Vladavia. I've got the name of that person written down here. Want to look?" And she hands a piece of paper and says, saying the name." All hell. She hands a piece of paper and. Zastro looks at it, and here on page 16, we have uh, Calgary's like, The name, read the, read the paper aloud, fool, because he wants to know who's behind everything. And Zastro lights a cigarette and uses a lighter and burns the paper. He's like, An interesting theory. You can prove this, of course. And Waller's like, Not in a court of law. But I made a good enough case to satisfy my employer or yours. And he's like, I would prefer to handle the matter myself. She's like, I thought you might. Okay, by me, provided I get what I came after. And she's like, we have neutralized Vertigo, so you don't really have to pay. You don't have any reason to stay. Take the Red Shadows back to Moscow. And uh, <laughs> Zastro was like, Calgary, would be displeased. And she's like, I like. She's like, in about ten seconds, Calgary's gonna be past caring. And here on bottom page seventeen, in the last couple of panels, we see Calgary listening on the headset. As behind it, we see Ravon coming up with a, a, a garot, garot, whatever you pronounce it, in his hand as he just chokes the life out of him. And I love this image here on page 17, last panel. Calgary's got his tongue hanging out because he's getting the life choked out of him. And just this evil, maniacal look on Ravon's face as he's doing it, just a great image. It Almost enough to give you nightmares. <laughs> Is Astro and Waller comes to an agreement? She's untying Boomerang. She's like, Granny Knot, who tied this bullish? And so she calls Vertigo sorry, she calls Ivy to find out she's got Vertigo secured. And he's like, Yes, but you know what? Change of plans. I'm going to roll Vladia. I'm going to control the count and I'm going to be in charge here. And Waller's like, Girl, have you checked Vladia's GNP? Recently, you're gonna have to rebuild it before you can pillage it. She's like, oh, Forget about that. So it's like work. <laughs> and as they wrap things up, Waller tells uh, Zastro that you know, there's one more thing there's a pointy-eared guy back in Gotham wants Stavannock. And Zastro's like, By all means, provided, of course, you can get Stalvanok to go. And Waller finds out here that. That Ben has captured Stalvinok and, and he's wrapped up, ready to go. And as soon as Boomerang gets untied, he just knocks Zastro out. And well, I love this round bottom page nineteen. She's like, "Why'd you do that? Hit me first. I blow catch you. You do one return. Aussie rules." And she's like, "That's what I like about you. Working with you, Bo- Boomer, but your deep maturity. Ah, uh, get stuffed." Hey yeah, guys, love that scene of them walking out together, Boomerang and and. The Batman seat with Waller walking next to him, just two, again in quotes, comrade in arms. A mission completed, but not quite over yet. We're back in Washington, D.C., where we have uh, William Heller, a.k.a. William Hell. from, again, as we talked about earlier, years ago in the series. As Lawton comes busting in, he's like, Lawton, everything's blown to hell. Why didn't you get Waller? <laughs> he's like, she gave me a better deal to come back and get shooting she she he shoots uh Heller about that time Batman comes flying in the window and Batman's like forget it Deadshot Heller's Heller's mine the law will deal with him and Deadshot's like the law can wait I was here first and he shoots Heller through Batman's cape and Batman disarms Heller and, <laughs> and like this uh Batman kicks the gun out of Heller's hand. He's like, it's over, Heller. Forget the gun. And then like, oh, he had a gun? And Batman's like, yeah, he'll live, provided we get him a hospital for he bleeds to death. And Boomerang's like, I know. Wallace said to shoot him. Didn't say to kill him. Batman's like, and she said to kill him. You done that too? Yeah. Tell me, Lawton. You have any moral code of your own? He's like, what for? Nobody hiring me has one. And that's here on page 20. Again, I love this close-up of look of Deadshot's face, and behind we have Batman, kind of a slight grin, if you will, it looks like a smirk, I guess, on his face. Some great artwork in this book. And then we cut to Steel Sarge's office where we get our debrief, basically, and we find out that actually Zastra was the one that was using Vladia for his own agenda. And again, there's a little there's a comment here about how history's changing but there's still the, these rotten people in the world and uh there's the last last couple of panels Waller's giving a little monologue she's like now it gets interesting cuz let me see back up a second uh, Batman's like so what are you going to do now that the cold war's over waller now it gets interesting everything's new everything's in, unstable the need to know is greater just as the reward and the danger to the world is greater. Outmoded Batman, the Suicide Squad may never have been more necessary. And that thought, folks, worries even me. And again, just a great close up of Waller on this last panel. A couple panels before that, close up Batman just standing there, as they're standing there talking, again, kind of doing a debrief. It's just great. I love the fact you know, that Waller is saying that that's even though the world's changing, there's still a place in it for the Suicide Squad, and that kind of scares her, the fact that, you know, the squad's still needed. It's just a great story, great art. I just love the Suicide Squad, as I said. So, uh, But that's going to wrap up this issue of Suicide Squad, and also the, as a Janice director, that was a long time ago, the Phoenix Gambit, that's what it was. That wraps up the Phoenix camp before part story. Uh, again, I loved it. The The artwork on issue 42 wasn't phenomenal. Again, I blame that on the inker, But the rest of it was fantastic. I love what they did at the art and the story. Just fantastic. What do you squad mates out there think? Send me an email and let me know. You can send me an email to taskforcex at headcastnetwork.com. Also, join us over on Facebook. I have a Facebook group just for my headcast altogether. It's facebook.com slash groups slash headcastnetwork. And like I've said, if you like what we're doing here uh, and all my other shows, check out our Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash headcastnetwork. Throw a few bucks in the tin, help us out a little bit. And if you do, you can join the great ranks of a couple other great guys. Uh, We have both Gene Hendricks and Mark Ross a.k.a. Cluck Trent. Cluck Trent? No, Cluck, Cluck Kent. Sorry about that. club Trent? I'm really messing that up. Anyways, uh, join Mark and Gene over on Patreon. Throw a few bucks in the tin. And I guess that's going to do it for this episode. Join us next month when we should be back to a regular Suicide Squad and Checkmate story. Uh, until then, Squad Mates dismissed. <laughs>
0: Thank you for listening to another great episode of Task Force X. I can also be found rambling on my main headcast of Head Speaks, where I rant and rave about movies, comics, geek stuff, and whatever is bugging me.
2: Mate, you just had Crazy the Joker.
0: (laughs) Well, I tried Boomer, but anyways, my home on the internet is at HeadSpeaks.com. H e a d s p. Dot Links to my blog, which contain follow up information to this and every headcast, can be found there. Both Task Force X and Headspeaks are on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and at headspeaks.com under Headcasts. Please feel free to email me any questions, comments, or concerns to TaskforceX at headspeaks.com. And if you want to record a message, you can send it to me at TaskForceX at HeadSpeaks.com, and I'll play it on the air. I'm also on Facebook at Task Force X, and also on Google Plus, you can look for Task Force X under people and pages. All titles and characters discussed are owned and copyrighted by DC Comics. I claim no ownership to the Suicide Squad, Checkmate, or Task Force X. I'm just a big fan wanting to spread the Task Force X love with everyone else. Uh, DC Comics can be found on the web at dccomics.com. Be sure to visit your local comic shop and look for Suicide Squad and Checkmate Comics. And while you're there, see what else they have that may interest you. (laughs) Motherfucker. Well, make sure you join us here next time for another fun-filled podcast from your friendly neighborhood Brotherhead. In the meantime, I'll see you in the funny pages.